So kia ora guys, welcome back to the Māori Millionaire podcast and blog. Today we're here with Sean Hamilton who kindly has um, agreed to speak to us about banking and personal finance and just some of his expertise. Um, he is a guest writer for the pod, uh, for the blog sorry, and it's really awesome to have you, so welcome. Thank you. So some people know you as the guest publisher for Māori Millionaire and you've talked about banking and personal finances. And Where did you learn this from? Uh, for me, personal finances came from my father when I was uh, very young. Um, he's quite an old school sort of guy. And so I always had uh, the old pocketbooks, um, sort of old sort of checkbooks and, and, and butts, which are, you know, really old for a lot of millennials nowadays, might not even know what those are, but mm. he would go through and hand write um, what was his expenses, what had he paid out and what had come in and then balance up his books. Um, so I was always aware of that. And then later on in life, as I started university, I was quite fortunate to fall into banking. Um, my wife, um, who uh, at the time, uh, we were dating, was my girlfriend. I, I popped down from university to see her for lunch and walked into the branch. And her manager walked up to me and said, um, I've got a vacancy. Do you want a job? And I said, yep. And that was, that was the interview. That was the, that was the HR tour. That was everything. And so I sort of fell into banking. Um, but since then, it just, it just grew as, as I um, have kept a career in that side of things. That's awesome. My, my papa's the same and he would have his um, notebook and if he was still alive today, his he would have had a graph um, drawn about the gas prices and stuff and he had a yeah. little monitor in the backyard where he would track the rain and stuff and compare, oh, it's crazy, <laughs> old people. Yeah, so what what attracts you to personal finance? I think for me, it, it's just sort of deeply ingrained since you know, I was always aware of it with, with my parents, you know, they're lower middle class. And so growing up, it was always a case of just, you know, understanding where money was going and, and, and what to do with it. And, um, you know, they opened up like savings accounts with, I think it was ASB when we we're at school, like, you know, five years old and, and, you know, you open up your first bank account. And so they, they always made us aware of what money was and, and um, the value of work with it. And so, I always sort of had a bit of a respect for it, I think, in a way. And then growing up, I got um, I got married young um, with, with with my beautiful wife, and um, it, it, we always made it a goal to sort of work together. And mm. I don't know if we've ever really fought about money. We've always sort of been in in, in one mind about yeah. you know, where we wanted to go, you know, set goals and 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 achieve them. But I think the biggest thing is that achievement piece. It all leads to something. You know, when we when we first, um, you know, put a car together or we bought our, our first home together or went away on our first overseas holiday together, it was always doing it and, and, and seeing the reward at the end of it. And so that's what I think, you know, it sounds cliche, but that personal side of it, it's the reward. And so being involved in it, having a stake in it, then it meant that, all right, well, you've got to be a bit more onto it so you can have those real tangible outcomes. So. I think that's what's always drawn me to it. It's probably what's kept me in banking so long. Mm -mm. That's awesome. And I think that's that's really good um, if you, I don't know if you have children, but um, for them to grow up seeing that kind of thing, that's awesome. Um, what kind of tips do you have for someone who might be in a lot of debt? For someone that's in a lot of debt, I think the first thing is not to panic. Most debt comes out of necessity. 
Mm. You know, so usually we, we get debt because we need to buy something, we need to pay for something. But that doesn't always mean that we understand what it is or plan for it. And so if you've got that situation, it's a case of, all right, you're, you're in there now, you've got this debt, do something about it, mm. but don't let it overwhelm you. If you want to pay it off, how much can you pay off? Can you pay it off quicker? Do you need to structure it to make it easier to fit your budget? You know, talk to friends, family, whanau, uh, professionals. Um, you know, professionals might be um, simply someone within the bank. It might be calling up um, an advice or budgeting service. You know, there's all kinds of different people that you can turn to. And then once you've got a plan, put it into action. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. that's really hard. You know, sometimes it means sacrifice. It means, you know, if um, if you've got a big credit card um, limit that's, you know, right up to the max and you want to chunk that down, can you restructure that into a loan? Can you talk to the lender, the bank or whoever about what options you have and then go about getting it paid off? Because at, at the end of the day, that's the only thing you can do is you can either live with it or you can pay it off. Paying it off is going to get you... Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's going to get rid of that. And then you can do something more with the money you're paying to it. But you've got to have a plan to it. So, you know, d- don't panic. Get a plan, seek advice, and then take action. That's really, really powerful. Thanks. Um, I think that your answer m- might be a bit similar for this one. But what about someone with um, a low income who's struggling to get by? Would you um, consider the same approach? Yeah, yeah. I, I think something similar. Don't... Um, don't ignore it. I, I remember when um, when my wife and I first started out in, in, in our marriage, we um, were on one income. My wife was supporting me while I finished my studies at university. And um, and my wife was working for an insurance company uh, within their call center. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was okay money, um, but it wasn't, you know, huge. Um, it, it, it just sort of got us by. And I mean, we were on the borderline. There were some weeks where we had no food in our fridge. Um, you know, and and there are many people who are like that. And we did rely on friends and Fano to help us a little bit. Some of that just came out of their generosity. But what we did is we sort of sat down and again, it came back to a little bit of planning and said, what do we need to do? Well, where are our expenses going? What bills do we have? You know, phone or internet or power, water? Is there anything we can cut back on? Um, I picked up a little bit of extra work at university and it meant I had to... Um, change some of the courses I'd do from semester to semester to be able to fit in a bit more work um, and then it was sometimes just being a little bit of pa- bit patient you know um, yeah. with having a lower income you can't turn that around instantly sometimes it takes you know hard yards to be able to climb that ladder get a bit of a pay increase um, and then you know see the results but oh, that's another thing though ask for a pay increase don't expect one to come to you. Um, one thing I've learned in the corporate sector is if you want something, you've got to go and ask for it. Many people in New Zealand will get rewarded for the work they're doing if, if they are able to work. But sometimes not every company is going to come in with a, uh, a silver platter and say, here, we want to we want to reward you and increase you know, what you're earning. You might have to you know, do about face and say, hey, I'm worth more, pay me more. But, but otherwise... Um, you know, and I think you've touched on this like in a lot of different posts and blogs, um, articles and things like that is, is you've got to go out there and look for maybe alternative sources of income. Mm-hmm. Just today, 
Um, my wife sold some of our um, our youngest son's um, shoes that he'd grown out of on Trade Me, you know, and it's just a little bit of extra um, coin yeah. in the back pocket. Um, you know, it's the little extra sources of income that you can look at. And, and with digital tools nowadays, there's so much you can do um, to be able to try and increase that. But I think like, like, like the previous question, you've got to work at it. You can't sit back and hope without doing the work to actually improve your situation. So that's probably the, the key thing, I think. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some really good personal finance habits that, you know, we could all be implementing into our own lives? Oh, I, I think I think you've got to be onto it in terms of just acknowledging that it's there. Like don't um don't sit back and be reactive and let you know your, your personal financial situation wash over you, engage mm-hmm. with it. Because I think um, you know, I, I look at friends and, and and sort of family people I know who have, you know, they sit back and they're just sort of like, Oh yeah, money comes in, money goes out, and that's cool. And some people like that, but like if you if you really take the bull by the horns so to speak and and try to improve things try to manage things then you can see change happen instead of just being sort of you know that in and out you know my pay comes in my money goes out for food and groceries etc um but I'm, I'm a huge believer in a budget um i didn't always when um i first started adult life it was something that i grew into um and i, I don't like budget day to day but I have a rough idea every fortnight when my pay comes in what's got to you know be put away and set aside and I review that every year and um, I think that's one of the biggest things that's probably helped us going on or um, one 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 tip that I did pick up uh, it's probably my wife that put me onto this but when I go shopping I'm a bit of a nerd and probably look like it but I've got piece of paper there with my list i've got a calculator i'm working out what's the best deal i'm you know i'm really going through it but it's those little things like mm. you know, I've, I've got a i've got a set fortnightly budget for um our family that that we use for for kai and you know we'll go and yes you know, go up to that limit because that's what we're, we're aiming for and that might mean then hey if i can get a if i can get a discount on i don't know you know chicken thighs then I might be able to get you know a little treat for the kids as well or something like that you know just that's for those extras in so i think everyone's personal finances though are really situational and um you know you've got to take stock of what you need to do for yourself but um you know there, there are a lot of good things out there to really help power is another one at the moment um i was on a fixed term power contract i think it comes up for renewal in the next month I've been on that for two years. So I've got to now go and research and say, all right, well, where am I going to get cheaper power for now? Yeah. Um, you know, so that I can put that little bit of extra away and, you know, hopefully save it or something for a rainy day. So I'm always looking at those sorts of deals that are out there, um, reading up. I mean, this is how I, I, I came across your platform, you know, what um, what tools and advice uh, is out there, you know, what podcasts. I listen to a lot of financial advice podcasts now. I've also started investing. Um, and not much. Um, I put away a, a about ten dollars a week um, because that's what I could afford in my budget, you know, with, with everything else going on. But you know, little by little, and I teach my boys. I've got two boys. You know, this is what it is, and this is what it means. So I sort of look for things that I can do within my own remit because, you know, for instance, um, you know, I've got family who own their own business or, or different businesses, mm. um, self-employed. And, um, you know, they've got to look at what 
what their ins and outs are different to what mine is because I'm I'm employed um, by a by a bank. So you know I I have that regular income whereas they have irregular income. And so mm. sort of just look at what's unique to my situation and how to get ahead. Mm-mm. That's awesome. Um, what was the best personal finance lesson that you've ever received? I think it was the hard lesson, if I'm honest. Um, I remember a few years into my uh, marriage, so I've been married about, you know, and this is showing my age, but I think we're up to 16 years this year. And it was probably the first few years we were very fortunate that we could um, rent cheaply from my in-laws their property while they they lived elsewhere sorry their property while they lived elsewhere um and at that point my wife and i didn't have a great handle on our finances you know we were younger um and uh, not that that's an excuse but it's just just the reality that we weren't experienced and so we had a credit card um i think it was originally my wife's and that was because it was easy to get credit cards back then. Like you just walk into a bank and half the time it would be a case of, hey, do you want a credit card like that? It was a bit like McDonald's. Do you want fries with that? And um, we took a trip to Australia, uh, holidayed together, our first one. And uh, and that was nice. We saw some friends and family there and and um, we, we saved up and paid for it. And then when we came back, we, we got in the habit of still using the credit card and we mm. weren't disciplined with it. So after a, probably a year or so of that, we had this balance owing and we were only ever paying the minimum amount. We were never, ever getting that balance down. And it was a drain because we were like, well, we want to try and save for a house. You know, There's other things we want to do in our future, but we have to pay off this damn credit card. And so it was a case of saying, all right, at that point, we had to really just take stock. What were our finances like? What were we doing wrong and how could we get on top of it? And that was a hard, honest conversation with each other and with ourselves like that real sort of looking in the mirror, like, you know, what are you doing sort of thing, Sean? And, and, and that was an eye-opener. That's probably around the point where we said, actually, we've got to do the hard yards to be able to get ahead. Mm. You know, because we're always sort of saying, hey, we want to go and get our own house, but we weren't really making much progress. You know, we want to start a family, all, all this sort of stuff, you know, all those nice things. So we sort of put a plan, like a goal in place. All right, we want this. We want to go and buy our own house or we want to we want to start a family. What does it mean to be able to do that? And the reality was we needed to be better, better, better uh, at managing our money mm. so that we could afford these life decisions. Um, mm. And so ha- having those hard lessons that made us about face, put in the plans, budget, all those sort of things I already mentioned. And then things started to become a little bit easier from that point on because we were working within our our, um, our income range. And so it also meant that, you know, once we sort of, what we did is we structured that credit card. We, we put it into a, a personal loan and then it, we could see the balance going down, all those sorts of things. And it really felt rewarding. Mm-hmm. But it was, it, was, it was that hard lesson of saying, you're not doing it right. You, there's got to be a better way that actually spurred us on. Yeah, I guess I do that quite a lot too, and I I just kind of take take a moment to just reflect on what I'm doing, and you know, even if you print out your um 
your bank statements and just you know highlight where you're going and and I often find that it's really surprising after you know a month or two that like wow I've spent this much on that and then you'll really consider like is it worth it you know do I get value from that so that's awesome um that you do something similar um I'm personally looking at um purchasing my first property in the next five to ten years um possibly when I graduate uni that's my goal but I do know that it's a bit ambitious with the housing market at the moment um what advice would you give to someone from a banking perspective um for being able to get a home loan um like what things could I be doing now to prepare myself to get one in about five years yeah that, that's a really really tricky question and and I think there's no one easy answer like like just being real the housing market in Aotearoa is it, 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 it's completely wrong. You know, getting a house shouldn't be this hard, but it is. And so I think it's being honest, like acknowledging, yep, it's hard. It's going to take work. Most of us don't have a, a big pot of inheritance or a whole stack of cash where you can just go and, and buy a, a house or property. But putting a plan in place early um, is the best thing. And that plan should <clears throat> ideally revolve around a budget. And what you do with that budget is you say, all right, if I need a loan of, I don't know, $200,000 to buy a home, and I know that's not realistic, but let's just take that as an example. And if the repayment on that 200000 was um, $500 a fortnight, mm -hmm. can I put that away now or do I need to build up to it? Because what you'll do is a bank would look at you and say, all right, well, you're saving that money now, which means if you were to come and take a loan from us as a bank, you'd just be taking that savings and put it onto the loan. So that means you can afford it. Mm -hmm. So you're proving to the bank that you can afford to borrow this money to buy your home. And it's not going to put you uh, into destitution. It's not going to make you bankrupt or put you in a difficult financial um, situation. Because all, all banks, they're governed by, um, uh, by laws that regulate how they have to lend money. Um, it's very strict. And they have to look out for you as a customer, as a borrower. And so if you can demonstrate that you meet all those criteria, then you get a great big tick that says, hey, look, yeah, you're the sort of person that would want to lend money to because we know you can pay it back. And it, it, it's tricky because not everyone's always in that position to start young, start early, and then build up to it. Um, but it does take time. And then within that time frame, it's a case of saying, all right, well, what can I do to improve my income if I need to? Do I need to bring in more to be able to pay to be able to uh, afford um, to pay back a, a home loan. All right, well, then what do I have to do? Do I have to get um, more training or education or change careers or upskill or what do I do? And that's all That's all personal. That's all, you know, how do you do it as an individual to be able to get that income and income to be able to afford it? Um, and then what other things do I do? Do I have to make sacrifices? Um, for instance, uh, when I mentioned earlier with my wife and I went to a, a trip to Australia, that was when we were probably about 18 or 19. We didn't take another overseas trip for um, probably a decade. Um, you know, we didn't have holidays. Mm -hmm. um, it, that was the sacrifice we had to make to be able to afford purchasing our home. Um, we had to buy outside of a desired suburb that we wanted. Now, we we're in um, Tamaki. And you know, like anywhere, it, it's more unaffordable here than probably, I don't know, anywhere except for Queenstown. But yeah. um, the realist, reality is we had to move away from family and our support network and we had to move further out. Mm. And then 
doing that, we could then hopefully later on move back into where we wanted to be. So we had to make that sacrifice. Uh, we're a one car family, you know, yeah. had to cut down the expenses, you know, there's warrant, rego, gas, all that sort of stuff. Um, like I said, we'd shop around for power, um, you know, groceries. Um, yeah, it was it was budget bread and uh, budget cereal for a few years when we when we first started the family got our own home. Um, you know, we we sort of had to just make those conscious decisions, and that's all part of the plan and, and budget. And it's a reality for the majority, the vast majority that want to get into home ownership. But then, probably like what I said earlier, is is talk to someone, brokers. Um, uh, were the golden ticket and entry for me to get into housing. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't own a portfolio. I'm, I'm not. I'm not that sort of um, Aucklander. Um, but you know, I um, we, we we live in a comfortable suburb now. Uh, but it's taken us over a decade to get to this point, and we live in a small home with our two boys, and it, it, we make do with it. And you know, I think it's quite nice, but. At the end of the day, it, it's, it was where we wanted to be for schooling and for raising our boys. Um, and so it took sacrifices sort of to get back to that point. But a, a broker, I, I couldn't get an inroad, um, even working for a bank. I couldn't get the sort of loan I needed to buy my first time. Mm. So I um, mentioned this to a family friend and they said, broker, go and see a broker. So I went and put, spoke to a broker and they worked it out. They said, look, this is what you should be doing. And then they shopped our our home loan application around some different banks to see if they could get one at a different place. Mm. And it, it worked. It, it worked. So, you know, th there are more than one avenue to get into housing, but it just takes that dedication to say, hey, this is what I want to achieve. Um, and I look at someone like, um, I've got I've got three brothers. I've got a younger brother, though, who um, his first home uh, was a rental. Yeah. He, he rented out and he rented himself. And he held on to it. Then he purchased another rental outside of Auckland and in, in Rotorua, and then one further up north. I'm not sure where exactly. And he's actually only getting his um, first home built now. And he sold off one of the others, and he'll probably sell one of the other ones because he had to sort of just try and play that game as a, as an investor to get capital gains before mm -hmm. a lot of the rules tightened up. Um, because you know that's what he had to do. He's single, um, uh, got a lovely young young daughter. And, um, you know, his personal situation is he couldn't buy in Auckland to be able to do that. So he had to buy outside of Auckland and then sort of work back in. So, you know, everyone's circumstances are different and you've got to work to that. But, you know, it just goes to show there's not one way to get into it, but it, it does take some dedication, some sacrifice and hard work. That's the reality in, in this country. Um, unless you're, you're coming off, um, you know, uh, the bank of mum and dad, which many of us can't. Um, then yeah, I read a statistic that that's like one in five, was it one in five, I think, um, people use the bank of mum and dad in order to buy their first home. And, and that's the reality. I, I expect that for my children. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've, I've put a plan in place now where um, since they were born, I put away 20 bucks, 20 bucks a fortnight into an account for them. Now mm. that won't, that won't get them near a deposit for a house when they're old enough to, to consider buying, but it'll get them a foot in the door to yeah. be able to try and, you know, have a platform going forward. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's not, it's only going to get harder. Um, you know, intergenerational wealth is a real thing, but also is the, the, the reality that a lot of that won't filter through and we can't rely on it. We've got to do it off the, the sort of our own brow, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. There was um, one question which I um, thought 
you would be an awesome person to ask. And it was about buy now, pay later schemes. And I've had a lot of <laughs> um, people talk to me about the possible consequences for um, getting a home loan with buy now, pay later schemes. Um, so from someone in the banking industry, um, would you be able to bust this myth or kind of share your point of view from it? I think it's, I mean, my personal point of view is I hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's me, and I'm I'm a conservative sort of guy. Um, you know that, that happens with with working in finance, and that's because it's easy for them to become a trap. Um, like like credit cards can. It's a case of, hey, can I afford it, or should I save for it and then make the purchase? Now they're mm-hmm. convenient, but they're they're also not regulated. You know, it's looser rules and things like that. But as as anyone goes through a home loan application, and whether it's with a bank or, you know, second or third um, tier lenders, uh, which are just sort of non-bank financial institutions that will lend you money, mm-hmm. um, then what they have to do under the law, and and this is the, this is the one that's been in the, in the the news media recently, that the triple CFA it's called the Consumer Contracts uh, Finance. I can't remember the full acronym now off the top of my head, but um, it basically says that as as a financial institution, you have to um, undertake to make sure that you, uh, anyone that you're lending money to can afford it. And the way that you go about that is by sort of scrutinizing their spending versus their income. How much money have you got in and money going out to see if there's a difference? And if the difference is positive and large enough, then you can lend to them because they can, they can afford to borrow money from you. But what buy now pay later does is does two things. One, it shows that either you're spending more, and therefore, do you have the ability to actually afford to borrow? And two, I don't think all of them, but many of them will show up on your credit report. Now, the credit report is always something that a bank or a lender is going to have to check to say, hey, how credit worthy are you? You know, do you go out and change your phone every month because you don't want to pay your bill or do you have outstanding debts with um, an energy company because, you know, you did a runner on them or, you know, do you use a lot of buy now, pay later? Do you go and get credit cards at every bank? And therefore, do you have financial exposure elsewhere? That means it's risky to lend to you as a customer. So what buy now, pay later is one, it could make it unaffordable because you're living beyond your means without even realizing it, or two, you've got a lot of hits on your credit score. And therefore, when a bank goes and looks at you, your credit score is not as high as it should be for you mm-hmm. as wanting to um, be a home loan borrower. Because at the end of the day, banks who do the vast majority of home lending, they want to lend to someone they know can make their repayment and as a secure investment for them, because that's how they're going to make money from you, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's, there's no secret about that. They want you to pay back interest and they're going to take that interest and use it in, in other products and pay people and make a profit from. But if you default on that loan because you're a risk, well, then, you know, that's a bad investment. So why should they take that? Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, that that's my personal take on it. Um, you know, there's lots of pros and cons. You only have to look at, you know, stuff and the NZ Herald to sort of read through different opinions about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, like all financial um, products and instruments, they serve a purpose but they can be um, misused. And so you just got to be careful about how you use them, be disciplined and um, you know, don't go over the top. Cool, cool. Um, so 
you know, different economists would probably be predicting that um, a recession could be coming. Um, what's your opinion on on how Fano can kind of protect themselves um, during a, a time like this heading for us? Like, is there things we could be doing now, or what? Do you- yeah, it's a really, really good question because you know economists are. Um, I don't know many economists, but they wouldn't like if I said it. But but the glorified um, fortune tellers, um, mm-hmm. often often looking back at what's happened and trying to predict the future. But you know, it's a fifty fifty call on whether they get it right, and, and some do it with with great panache and, and good humour, and, and others not so. But um, you know, I think any recessionary environment is hard, mm-hmm. and it's harder at the bottom than it is the top. In terms of you know the, the economic scale, if you're in a lower socioeconomic position, you're going to feel the brunt more than the wealthy at the top. That's just a fact of life. Um, so then, what can you do if it does hit? I think the biggest thing, and I didn't know this until a, a financial advisor um, told me this many years ago, was build a surplus. If you can put a little bit away, it should be round about three to four maybe three to six months worth of your income in an account, don't touch it. It's there for an emergency. Now, if a recession happens and, for instance, uh, business contracts and you lose your job, that's an emergency. You can go and touch it. If, um, you know, the uh, latest sale down at Kmart is calling you, that's not an emergency. You don't touch it. Um, But, you know, try to build up a buffer. If that's not possible, then re-examine what is your situation. Can you start a budget? Can you uh, live differently? You know, and, and within each means, you know, that really is personal. But you know, do you have to change the way that you shop? Um, the difference between shopping and and um, you know the pack and save ads with Stickman love to call us out. But the difference between pack and save and countdown on New World it can be huge. Uh, you know, thirty bucks a week, sixty bucks a fortnight. You know, that could be huge for a, for a family. Um, so, you know, do you need to change that up? If you can, can you get extra income? You know, what's a side hustle? Um, you know, where can, where can you get that? Um, uh, but I think at the, at the other end is some of those other things I already mentioned, you know, can you ask for a pay rise? Can you change jobs? Can you upskill? Um, never discount. Look at the government agencies that can help. Uh, just in the budget that was announced last week, there's um, a $350 payment coming for those earning 70000 or less, I believe. Yeah. You know, um, what can you do to make your position stronger? Um, not everyone can, but sometimes there is one or two things that we can to try and weather that storm. I mean, simple things like, can you start a garden? Um, I, I moved into, uh, well, my family and I moved into this house Um after that very first big lockdown. And, um, you know, we've only just started growing some of our own vegetables. Yeah. And that was because my wife and I were at the supermarket. We were at a local New World. Um, you know, we just had to duck in to, to do a little top up, get some milk and things. And we saw the price of a lettuce. We want to get some lettuce for some homemade hamburgers. It was $7 at the time for a lettuce, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I, I can remember when it used to be 99 cents. I don't know if I'm showing my age. You know, I don't think I'm that old, but. You know, I've got six lettuces out the back now growing because of because of that. So, you know, that's just a little thing where I don't have to go and pay now someone else, you know, on average, probably about $5 for a head of lettuce. I can just go to my garden and pull off some leaves. So, you know, little things because little things can become big and over time help improve your situation. 
Um, but you know, it, it, it's hard um, in the lower ends to wear a recession, but you've just got to make conscious choices, I think, and, and ask for help. I'm a huge advocate and I want to see other people empowered to receive that help. But sometimes you've got to ask for it because not everyone knows if, if you need it unless you ask. Mm-mm. That's some really good advice. And I'm so grateful um, you were able to share your your massive experience you've had in the banking industry with um, my audience. Is there any final words you want to share with everyone? I, th- I think ultimately, and, and you know, I say this, I'm, I'm privileged and I fully acknowledge this, but, you know, don't be scared of it finance personal finance banking you know all these sorts of things can be overwhelming and people just want to bury their head in the sand but don't just Mm -hmm. just engage with it that you know do it to your own ability and if you need help ask for it Um, you know most banks most people in the financial industry are there to help others Mm -hmm. because believe it or not that's actually how they usually get paid by helping others um, so, you know, go, go and, go and talk to someone, ask for someone, you know, um, reach out on social media platforms. Um, you know, there's lots of things like investors clubs and savers clubs and all kinds of different things. Um, and while sometimes you have to pay for financial advice, there are good tips with general advice that are all out there. So just seek them out. Mm, I definitely agree with that. And I think that, um, as, as Māori, we're kind of expected to, I guess, not, perform well in our personal finances or in any aspect of our life but um you know being able to break these generational curses is, is really difficult but the rewards will come um in time and so that's really important so thanks so much for joining us today and i really do appreciate it so thank you no worries thank you